All right, Alexander, let's talk about the three-day meeting between Xi Jinping and Saudi officials, MBS. We could say MBS, but uh, Saudi officials in general. And this is actually not only Saudi Arabia. Uh, many countries are uh, are meeting with, uh, with the Chinese leader. And uh, the big news is that uh, they signed, they have already signed, I believe the, the biggest trade agreement for Saudi Arabia or China. I was reading the story today. It's massive. It's like it's 29 massive. or 39 billion in yeah. trade. I don't know. For, I, think, I think it's the biggest trade agreement for Saudi Arabia with another country. I think so. Anyway, I'll, I'll put it on the screen. I, 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 the think, screen. It's, I think it's right. Yeah. Is, is that right? Okay, yeah. I think 29 it is, billion. Yes. It includes Huawei. Huawei, which is an interesting uh, development. We, we all know about Huawei and what went on there a couple of years ago. Um, the optics of it, uh, Xi Jinping rolls into town, red carpet treatment. I mean, you know, all the uh, every, everything rolled out for, for the Chinese president. Very different when Joe Biden was, uh, was visiting Saudi Arabia. They did the little fist bump. This was a completely different uh, presentation from uh, from an optics uh, standpoint, but it does show a lot. Um, this is huge. I mean, this is the story. What's uh, what's going on here? It is absolutely huge. It is as big a story in its own way as all the other crises that we've had over the course of 2022. I mean, if you look forward, if you're starting to look forward, um, into what may come, this is as big as Ukraine. I mean, obviously, we're talking about not just a visit, we're talking about a massive realignment, a, a connection between China and Saudi Arabia. Uh, as you said, massive deals between China and Saudi Arabia. But it's important to say that those deals underpin a relationship that's now developing. Now, can I just say something? You mentioned Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia a few months ago, which, let's be straightforward about it, was an absolute disaster. It, it didn't achieve any of its objectives. It didn't get the Saudis to increase oil production. It didn't forge a relationship between Biden and um, MBS. Um, it, it, it was a total zero. I have to say this. I'm going to get some pushback for this. The last time a U.S. president visited Saudi Arabia and was received in this way and gave every impression of valuing the relationship, this long alliance between the United States and Saudi Arabia, which goes all the way back to the days of FDR. The last time that happened was in 2017, and the president in question was Donald Trump. It was his first big visit after he became president. Now, Trump gets called all kinds of things, but he did understand that the key relationship for the United States in the Arab world and amongst the Middle East producers was the one with Saudi Arabia. And he went there and he forged, he strengthened that relationship. And again, you may not agree with the, some of the outcomes. You may not be somebody who supports the Abraham Accords between the Israel and the United States and the Arab, the, the, you know, the Gulf states. But that was all built on 
the relationship with the Saudis that by, that Trump built built up, and the United States since the change of administrations has totally seen that relationship with the Saudis go up in smoke, and who's stepping in? The Chinese are stepping in, and they're stepping in in a massive way, and this is a thing which I think Americans need to start grasping. Once upon a time, not that long ago, um, in the Middle East, around the world, America was the only game in town. Only the Americans could provide people with technology, investment, industrial, uh, um, you know, industrial development, um, weapons, all of those kind of things. Today, it isn't like that anymore. China and Saudi Arabia have a long-standing relationship. They were on good terms, even during the Cold War. Even during the later period of the Cold War, China and Saudi Arabia uh, established diplomatic relations. Um, they both in those days were a bit wary of the Soviets. In fact, they didn't like the Soviets, so they found that commonality between them. China supplied uh, weapons to Saudi Arabia going all the way back to the 1980s. But today, of course, we're talking about a completely different China. We have a Saudi Arabia led by uh, this uh, extraordinary man, MBS, about whom we could say very much. But the point is the relationship is completely different and the Chinese are able to come in and, the, you know, the Russians are there hovering in the background. The Chinese are able to come in and they can offer the Saudis all the things that the U.S. could once offer, perhaps go even further, and it comes with no strings. It doesn't come with all the moralizing, the interfering, the, you know, the talk about, you know, human rights violations, all of those kind of things. So the Saudis are now realigning. And I think the other thing I'm going to say about this is that we talked a few weeks ago about how Saudi Arabia joining the BRICS, Saudi Arabia joining the SCO, and now that looks inevitable. Um, Saudi Arabia participating in the launch of the BRICS reserve currency, insisting one day that its oil be paid for in that reserve currency. How that was going to re result in a massive, furious response from the U.S., and, you know, the MBS needed to be very careful. The other thing this meeting between Xi Jinping and MBS showcases is that the Saudi establishment, the royal family, the princes, the business people in Saudi Arabia, they have consolidated behind MBS and they've consolidated behind his line. And so have all the other regional states. The Gulf Cooperation Council, Qatar, Kuwait, um, the UAE, they're all there. They're all participating in this meeting, as are some of the other key Arab states. So we can see that this isn't just, you know, a drift, a realignment pursued by one man, perhaps a vulnerable person in Saudi Arabia. It's something that the entire Saudi establishment and the Arab establishment are united behind. And again, one can't help but think that this is a product of the failure of U.S. diplomacy in this area.
Yeah. Um, if I told you three years ago, four years ago, that Saudi Arabia and China would be making these types of deals, uh, you would have probably been like, no chance, never, ever in a million years. And, and I'm just looking right now on Zero Hedge Alexander, and they're talking about pledges to expand military uh, cooperation to the tunes of tens of billions of dollars. I'm looking at the Wall Street Journal. It says they're setting up a Huawei cloud computing region, building an electric vehicle manufacturing plant, supplying green hydrogen batteries for futuristic smart city that uh, the prince wants to build. That's a quote NBS wants to build. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about everything, really, from military to, 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 to real, you know, oil and, and, and gas and energy. And all of the green other stuff that the West goes on and on about as well. Yes. Well, the yes. Chinese are moving in and uh, taking that. So, I mean, it's, this is like uh, – it's a full spectrum of, of deals. Yeah, absolutely. 5G, a- 6G I'm seeing here. Yeah. Uh, Saudi oil sales in Wuhan. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I mean, the, la- the latter is the latter being, of course, an extremely important thing in the immediate term because we're now seeing the Chinese currency – becoming strengthened it's becoming a currency in which commodity commodities are being paid for i mean russia is now increasingly accepting chinese currency in return for its oil and gas saudi arabia is starting to do the same and that's crucial because of course the saudis are taking chinese currency and you know with the brics currency waiting in the background as i've said many times oil is the biggest traded currency around the world, a commodity around the world. Everybody needs oil. With all the changes that have happened, it's still essential. You cannot run a modern economy without oil. If oil is traded in Chinese currency instead of USD, well, that is a colossal change in the financial and economic architecture of the world. So there you go. That's what's happening. And notice that the Chinese are coming along and they're being very clever because they're saying to MBS, and of course MBS is somebody who's very, you know, tuned up to the idea of high-tech solutions for Saudi Arabia's problems. But the Chinese are saying, not only are we going to back you 100% in all of this, but yes, we want your oil, and we're gonna, but we also want to help you to develop the alternatives to oil and we can we have the technology we have the industry we make most of the world's batteries for example so you're talking about ev technology technologies and industries we can help you do that we we make the batteries we make the solar panels we do all of these things and we can do it and we can work with you we can you know, wire up your cities. We can do all of these things and we can provide you with weapons. And so can our friends, the Russians, who are also good friends with you. So all of this is now happening in the Middle East. And Saudi Arabia has been the linchpin of US, uh, of the US alliance systems in the Arab world. If the Saudis change sides, the Arab world changes sides. Every, everyone will follow where the Saudis lead. What, what an interesting development. I'm, I'm just looking here, Alexander, at some uh, images. And um, 
the Saudis, actually the, the king who's sick, uses a walking stick, went all the way to the airport to greet yes. Xi Jinping. Yes. Not MBS, yes. The, the, the king himself who's sick and uses a walking stick. I mean, that is, that's, that says a lot. It says that really does lot. say a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It shows how important the visit is. And I come back to what I'm saying. It, it signals, obviously, he's MBS, his father, and there's a connection between them. But the king would not be doing that if the entirety of the Saudi uh, dynasty, you know, all the princes weren't united behind this. Saudi Arabia is changing sides. I mean, let's be absolutely clear. This is what is happening. There's still a lot to go, a lot going on. You know, there's still issues with the Iranians, which haven't yet been resolved and probably take a while to resolve. We've still got some lingering U.S. influence in Saudi Arabia. But there has clearly been a decision. And it's not just one man's decision, I mean, which we talked about the other day. It's not just one man's decision. It's the decision to switch sides. And can I just say this? Three years ago, as you rightly said, that would have been inconceivable. And going back five years, back to 2017, well, in those days, the Saudis were celebrating their relationship with the U.S., Donald Trump was coming along, there were all kinds of, I mean, it was all the same, you know, spectacle that we're seeing now, but that was being provided to a U.S. president, and that was consolidating a U.S. relationship with Saudi Arabia in the Middle East that extends all the way back, as I said, to the Second World War and to um, King, um, King Ibn Saud's meeting with um, FDR, I think, after the Yalta meeting, after, you know, um, FDR went to Saudi Arabia after he met Stalin and Churchill in Yalta, and he had this meeting with King Ibn Saud, and that was the start of that enormous relationship and alliance, and it's been thrown away, because this didn't have to be like this. <laughs> That's an important thing to understand. It did not have to be like this. But the Saudis have become sick and tired of the fact that they've been asked to bankroll and to work with the um, US all the time on all the neocons, increasingly disastrous adventures. And they're absolutely sick and tired at the same time of being ab abused and criticised by the US. And um, they felt taken for granted by the US for a very long time. And they're saying, you know, Chinese are there with deep pockets, lots of things they can offer us. The US doesn't look in good shape at the moment anyway. Its president is somebody who clearly doesn't like our country, and certainly doesn't like our uh, leader, MBS, and our leader doesn't like him. So the Chinese, they, they're... You know, they're well-organized, they're well-run. The president is an impressive person. From our point of view, he looks like somebody we can work with. They are willing to provide us with all the technology and all the industry with they, we need. They give every impression of wanting to like us and wanting to be friends with us. We have a long-standing relationship with them, going all the way back to the 80s. So let's press forward, let's move forward with it, and let's leave the US behind. And, of course, this will evolve in exactly the way you said, 
with all these enormous relationships, all this technology, all this, all this, you know, machinery, all these things that's going to happen, with all the weapons that are going to come, and all of this, and it means that for the first time, it looks like that constant spectre. I remember from the Cold War, the you know the other side in those days, it was the Soviet Union would gain control of the Gulf. I mean, the wars in Afghanistan in the 70s and 80s were justified on that basis, that, you know, if the Soviets gained control of Afghanistan, their next stop would be the Gulf, and that's why we had to prevent it, and, you know, all of this. Well, all that, that, that is now all being lost, or perhaps you could say it's been given away. Yeah, you know, the, um, the lack of diplomacy coming from the U.S., the unprofessional diplomacy coming from the U.S., the, uh, the rhetoric, the virtue signaling, the woke virtue signaling, coming out and, and saying stuff, even if it's true, even if it's the case, saying stuff like, you know, he's a pariah or, you know, he did, he did this and, and the whole Khashoggi thing and saying that uh, the man is, is a criminal and all the things that Biden and his whole team Everything they were saying, it has consequences. Absolutely. People are listening. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. this stuff may be true. It may not be true. Yeah. But, you know, the U.S. consistently, the, the, the diplomatic establishment in the U.S., if you can even call them <laughs> diplomats, they have this need and desire to want to get up on, on stage, get in front of the podium and virtue signal how righteous they are and how terrible Everyone else is that isn't falling in line with them. He's a pariah. He's a dictator. He's a murderer. And, and the Saudis are sitting there and they're listening to this. And they do the same thing with Russia. Putin is a dictator. Putin is this. Putin is that. And, and they have this attitude like, well, you know, no one's listening or who cares what they think. And we can do whatever we want and we can say whatever we want. And now it's coming back to, uh, to bite them in the you know what. I mean, exactly. all this rhetoric and all this, all this stupidity that comes out of their mouth, it has consequences. And then on top of it, they make dumb decisions like an oil price cap. Mm, exactly. I mean, it's like the cherry on top of the stupid yeah. cake. Exactly. <laughs> but that's I mean, what it is. Exactly. You know, I mean, they the don't know how to keep their mouth shut. No, I know. The oil, the oil price cap, was, it was an idiotic decision. And by the way, since we're, since we're just bringing that up, just to say in... I'm now reading in the Financial Times that they're all suddenly now criticizing Erdogan because of this, you know, big queue of tankers in, in the Dardanelles and the Bosphorus that is all Kazakh oil. So they're now angry with Erdogan over this. And of course, you know, no willingness to accept that it's anything to do with them. It's any part of any part of it is their fault. Um, go back a few weeks ago to the G20 and Biden refuses to meet with and speak to MBS. Okay. He says, I, you know, he's going to treat MBS as a pariah. He's going to treat Putin as a pariah. Sure. Trouble is, everybody else wants to speak with these people. So who is isolating whom? I mean, it's not correct, by the way. I mean, it's not the Russians and the Chinese are isolating the West. They're isolating the United States because of the 
American diplomats, American diplomacy, I have to say, the American president, behave in the way they do. America is isolating itself. Nobody wants to be lectured. Nobody wants to have fingers pointed at them. People are just getting tired of this sort of thing. Once upon a time, when the US was the only game in town, they had to put up with it. They don't have to put up with it anymore. There is another side, as I said, that can offer everything. Chinese can offer pretty much everything. The Chinese and the Russians together can offer everything. So people say, enough's enough. We, we, do, we cut our deals with Beijing. And we are spared all the, you know, the, the enormous price and the enormous tiresome lecturing and moralizing that comes from any relationship with the U.S. And I think people in the U.S. need to understand that. They've got to understand if they want to really continue to play an active game in the world, that they start, they need to start doing some actual real diplomacy they can't just come along and say to people like this is how you is going to be and you must agree with us because people will now start to push back as mbs has done it's exactly right it's exactly right they, they they've forgotten that maybe because you're not dealing with career diplomats and you're dealing with appointees and political favor yeah. favors and stuff like that that's why the, the did, U.S. has excellent diplomats, but they're not getting to the positions that they need to get to because, you know, the you have to dole out these favors to, to people that are just not up to the task. And, and, and it's crazy what you say about the G20. You have an 80-year-old an Biden who acts more immature than a 35-year-old, however old MBS is, a 35-year-old leader in MBS. I mean, MBS is, comes out more mature than supposedly this man who is 50 years in, in politics. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm going to have to qualify what you said because, of course, you talk... I mean, certainly the U.S. used to have outstanding diplomats. But... Remember, I have connections in the academic world and, by the way, the student world through, you know, my fact that my wife works in academia. I've been seeing the kind of things that come out of the international relations, the IR departments in the U.S. universities, and they make my stomach turn. <laughs> I mean, they are, if, if this is how America trains its diplomats, if the sort of focus on, you know, that I've seen the types of subjects that seem to be given priority in IR studies are representative of the kind of thinking that, you know, American diplomats are coming, you know, people who graduate and want to join the State, Mar State Department are coming out with. Well, all I could say is I shudder for the US because the kind of people that are doing this sort of thing are going to be hopelessly hopelessly disconnected from the real world. The last person in the US to do diplomacy was Donald Trump. And he was good at it, by the way, despite what you hear. Outside, you know, the, the Europe and, you know, the West itself, the G7, when he interacted with Asian leaders, with African leaders, with Arab leaders, as we've seen, they liked him. <laughs> he listened. He was out to cut deals. 
Perhaps he wasn't the most professional about doing it. He didn't always know, you know, all the niceties. He didn't understand the protocols sometimes. But they didn't care because they liked him. He listened to them. They didn't get the sense that he was judging them all the time and that he was going to read out lectures to them. And I, I can remember that, you know, he was going around Asia and you could see Asian leaders warming to him in the way that they didn't warm to Obama. And they certainly aren't warming to uh, uh, Biden. It wasn't from the State Department. The people, the officials in the State Department were embarrassed by Donald Trump because, of course, they don't do diplomacy anymore. And as I said, if you see what is coming out of the IR departments, you can see you can see why. Yeah. All right, uh, a massive story and uh, massive. one that everyone should be following because this yes. is big. Okay, uh, the Durad.locals. It's, it's huge, yeah. The Durad.locals.com. We are also on Rockfin as well. And go to the Durad shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day.